Right, thank you uh, very much. Let's uh, pray, shall we, as we spend the next few minutes looking at uh, those words. Uh, the prophet Daniel said this in his uh, writings. I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All people, nations, and men of every language worshipped worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Well, Jesus, how we praise you that truly you do reign. What Daniel saw has come true. We see that in this passage, and we know that to be true in our lives. Thank you that you reign. Uh, Here in Norwich, you reign over hateful regimes the world over. And we pray that as we look at your word, uh, we would hear your voice, and we too would acknowledge you to be Lord in our own hearts and in our own lives. Help me as I speak, help us as we listen uh, to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Politicians get a bit of a uh, bad uh, press, don't they? But they're frequently reprimanded uh, for seemingly being unable to give a straight yes or no answer to a question. If you've been watching the, uh, the debates over Scottish uh, independence, you've probably seen that from both sides of the uh, debate. Uh, a reluctance, shall we say, to uh, uh, be, uh, uh, be direct with the electorate. Uh, there's an old story of a politician uh, on the hustings uh, who was getting particularly heckled for, uh, for refusing to give a straight uh, yes or no answer uh, to the questions that the electorate were putting to him. Uh, he turned to one of uh, his, uh, his audience, who he knew was a married man, uh, and he said this. He said, I will give you a straight yes or no answer if you can to my question. Have you stopped beating your wife? Some questions are easier to give a yes or no answer to than others, aren't they? Uh, the passage in front of us this morning uh, poses a question which is just like that. Uh, There isn't really a straight answer, yes or no. Uh, We're at the start of the uh, book of Acts, for those of you uh, who are new to us. uh, We are between the resurrection of the Lord Jesus on that first Easter Sunday and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But before that happens, something else must happen first. Jesus must physically leave this earth and ascend to his rightful place uh, in heaven. And is the question that I think Luke is asking for us is, is this the moment where it's all going to go a bit wrong? Uh, Jesus has been uh, journeying with the disciples for the last three years. They've had some ups, they've had some downs. Without his presence with them, how are things going to be different? What, what, what is going to be different? Is it going to be different? Where is it all going to go wrong? And the answer that Luke gives us isn't actually a straightforward one. It is both yes and yet at the same time, no. Yes, it will be different, because Jesus isn't going to be physically with his people. And yet, no, things won't be different, because he's still Lord, whether he's in heaven or whether he's on earth. Let's look at the first part of that answer, shall we? Uh, Yes, things will be different, because Jesus is ascended. Um, I like history. Uh, The Duke of Wellington is probably one of the most important figures, I would say, in uh, British history. Uh, He had a very distinguished military career, which culminated in uh, him leading uh, Allied forces to uh, victory over Napoleon Bonaparte at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. 
Uh, That's what he's probably most remembered for uh, today. And yet, his highest moments of uh, power and uh, prestige uh, came some years later. Uh, In 1828, uh, he was appointed to be Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. He went from being a general to being the Prime Minister. He actually had more power as the Prime Minister, and yet he's most remembered uh, for uh, the Battle of Waterloo. And in some sense, I think uh, we can see some parallels with the Lord Jesus in that example. Uh, We rightly celebrate the cross and the resurrection as the moments where Jesus triumphed over sin and death. We're going to come uh, to the Lord's table in a short while. Think again on uh, that wondrous moment at Calvary when Christ triumphed over sin and death. And yet the moments where Jesus received the most power and honour and authority was at his ascension, uh, when he transitioned from earth to heaven to rule at the right hand of the Father. It's a hard thing to grasp, and it's quite clear, I think, from the passage, uh, that the disciples hadn't quite got what was going on either. Uh, Verse 6, they start with a question, don't they? Uh, So when they met together, Luke says, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? Uh, It seems that they had understood it, that after Good Friday and Easter Sunday, uh, in some sense, all that was left was Jesus would just become uh, the, uh, he'd kick out the Romans, and he would become the leader, uh, the political leader of this new and revived nation of Israel. Uh, You can almost imagine Jesus rolling his eyes at this point, can't you? I just can't believe it. They've been with me for three years. They still haven't got it. Yeah, he doesn't do that. He doesn't really rebuke them. Uh, he just simply repeats to them uh, that some things are known only to the Father. Uh, verse 7, it said to them that it's not for you to know the times or dates. The Father's set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He simply says some things are known to God and that you're called to wait for the coming of the Spirit Uh, to tell others about me. And yet, if all this is going to happen, Jesus uh, must ascend. He must leave them. Uh, Many medieval artists tried in vain to uh, depict the ascension. Some of the results are quite comical. Um, You can uh, go on the internet and uh, have a good laugh at some of them. Uh, But it's striking to me that uh, Luke isn't interested so much in the how of the ascension. So what did it actually look like, you know, to see Jesus uh, ascending into heaven, so much as the so what. The, the what are the implications uh, for the followers of Jesus? Uh, as soon as Jesus has physically left the earth, uh, we read that the disciples are confronted by two angels uh, who, uh, who help both the disciples and us as the readers of Acts uh, to interpret what is going on. Verse 10, uh, Luke records for us. Uh, The disciples, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Uh, The angels are clear. The disciples aren't to spend their time gazing into heaven and wondering what's happened and trying to work out how Jesus can uh, transcend space and time. It's not a question of physics. But it's a question of understanding the spiritual reality. Jesus has gone, and yet he will come back 
They are to get on with the mission, uh, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, and uh, get on with what he's told them to do. Now, it might seem that these words of the angels are almost implying us to sort of keep calm and carry on. You know, a sense of nothing to see here, just, just ignore it, you know, brush over the, what's happened, and just to get on with things. And in some sense, I think they are. There is a sense in which the uh, disciples are told, just get on with the task. You know what you're supposed to do? Go and be the witnesses of the Lord Jesus. And yet, at the same time, something momentous has happened. Life will not be the same again. Uh, perhaps it's a little bit like, uh, like getting married or having a baby. In some sense, life doesn't change. Lots of things do stay the same. Uh, we keep the same friends often. Uh, we may well live in the same house. Sometimes we won't. Uh, we'll keep in the same job. Lots of things can stay the same. And yet at the same time, uh, things will never be the same again, as anyone who's experienced uh, those things will know. Uh, life is completely different. And I think, in some sense, the ascension is the same. Physically, Jesus will no longer be with the disciples. Uh, he'd promised this before to them many times as he uh, taught them, as he walked with them. Uh, but now it's a reality. He has gone. Uh, he hasn't simply faded away, but he has gone to be with the Father to prepare a place uh, for us. Yet, uh, not only physically, but spiritually things have changed as well. Uh, I read at the start uh, those words from the prophet Daniel uh, of uh, this vision of one like a son of man, uh, this figure who suffers and yet one day is vindicated by coming on the clouds of heaven before the ancient of days, before God uh, himself. And the ascension of the Lord Jesus is, I think, the fulfilment of that vision. Uh, Jesus is vindicated. He had suffered, died for the sins of the world on the cross. And yet now he is vindicated and he is exalted and enthroned in his rightful place. Uh, The ascension is his coronation, we might look at it like that. He is crowned as the rightful king of all the earth. Even more than that, if we are Christians, if we are uh, in Jesus, as the New Testament puts it, if we are united by faith uh, in him, then something has changed for us too. Uh, Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter uh, 2. Verses uh, 4 to 6. You'll find it on page uh, 1,174. Let me read these wonderful uh, words for us. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Uh, Can you see here, Paul is uh, explaining what Christ has done for us if we are in him, if we are his people. Uh, He says that we have been made alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Uh, By his cross, by his resurrection, the Lord Jesus has made his followers alive. We were dead in sin. We are now spiritually alive. And yet, as wonderful as that is, more than that, Paul says, going on. Verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. By the ascension of the Lord Jesus, we too have been raised up with him uh, to be seated with him. His vindication is our vindication as his people. 
His exaltation is our exaltation as the people who have trusted in him and who love him and who call him our Lord. Life for the follower of Jesus will never be the same again after the ascension. How amazing is that? I I don't know about you, but sometimes um, I've been tempted to think just how wonderful it would be uh, if Jesus did still walk the earth visibly. Uh, Don't you think that would just clear up all our doubts? Uh, You know, you'd never have another doubt again, would you, if you'd seen Jesus physically? And yet that is ridiculous, isn't it, when we sit and think about it? Uh, Because we shouldn't be looking to put the clock back. Uh, Jesus has ascended. Uh, God's plan has been fulfilled. Uh, We are living in even better times than that. Jesus has been ascended. He is Lord. He reigns and he rules. How amazing is that? Rather than looking back and wishing that we could uh, see Jesus walking the streets of Norwich or wherever it happens to be, we should rejoice. God's plan for the ages is being fulfilled. Uh, And that with Christ, if we are in him, we stand too in his glory. We reign with him. Life has changed, and wonderfully so. We shouldn't put the clock back. So yes, something has changed. Things will be different Uh, But at the same time, there's another side uh, to the answer to the question, in that no, things will not be different because Jesus is still Lord. Turn back with me to um, Acts chapter 1, if you will, and we read uh, from uh, verse 12. uh, After the ascension, the eleven returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, uh, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room uh, where they were staying. Uh, Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Uh, It's striking, isn't it, how much the eleven trust the promises of the Lord Jesus. Their first response is to return to Jerusalem to wait for this promise of the Father uh, that Jesus uh, has talked about. Uh, They join together in prayer, patiently waiting, readying themselves uh, for what they know uh, is to come. And yet before Pentecost, before the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit in power, uh, there's one more thing that needs to happen. They need to find a replacement for Judas uh, to ensure that the circle of apostles is back to 12. It's complete uh, once again. Uh, It seems that Peter was the the, the leader and the chief spokesman of the apostles, impetuous Peter, uh, verse 15. And uh, he stands up among the believers, a group we're told that's numbering about 100 and 20. Uh, We might think that this defection of Judas, his treachery and his death, uh, has caused some sort of sense of doubt uh, that the plan of Jesus might not be fulfilled. Uh, Maybe in some sense uh, things have been derailed. And yet uh, it's clear from Luke, as Peter speaks, that even in this, even in the treachery of one of Jesus' closest friends, still God is at work building his kingdom uh, and, uh, and I'm f- fulfilling his plans. Uh, let's look first at this issue of uh, replacing uh, Judas, uh, shall we? Uh, well, Peter stands up and he reminds uh, the apostles, and he reminds us as uh, his listeners, uh, that all this has happened because the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. Uh, verse 16, he says. Uh, and he quotes in particular from two psalms, uh, Psalm 69 and Psalm 109, uh, to explain what has happened regarding uh, Judas's treachery, regarding his death, 
and regarding what's going to happen in terms of um, appointing his replacement. Uh, Psalm 69 is applied to Jesus five times in the New Testament. It's quite a significant psalm uh, for the New Testament writers in understanding uh, Jesus' death. Uh, To to, to put it in some context, um, it voices essentially the concerns of an innocent victim, the psalmist, as he is uh, persecuted uh, for his, uh, his zeal for the house of the Lord. Um, amid much opposition uh, from uh, those around him. Uh, and right at its end, the psalmist prays that God's judgment would fall uh, on the wicked. Uh, Peter ties this psalm into what has happened uh, with the Lord Jesus and with Judas. Uh, he sees that it has been, uh, it explains uh, that God's judgment has fallen uh, on Judas. Um, verse 17, uh, Peter says that Judas was one of our number. And he shared uh, in this ministry. Uh, He was. He was part of the disciples. He was called by Jesus, just as the others were. Uh, And yet we shouldn't think that he was the victim of fate in some sense. Uh, Peter is very clear that he set himself against Jesus. He opposed him. And so he is rightfully receiving uh, judgment uh, from God. Uh, Psalm 109 is quite similar to uh, Psalm 69. Uh, again, uh, the, the, the psalmist is, um, uh, is being slandered by wicked men uh, for, for seemingly no, no apparent reason. Again, he calls for judgment down upon the ringleader uh, and then uh, prays that another would come forward uh, to take his place. Once again, uh, Peter sees uh, that psalm in some sense being fulfilled Um, in uh, the sufferings of our Lord. Um, Again, at every step, he sees the hand of God at work. Uh, What might have been thought to derail the spread of the gospel, the plan of God, is actually seen to be part of it. God can turn anything uh, to his use. And once this has been established, they are now in a position to uh, appoint a replacement for Judas. Um, There's lots of issues uh, that seem to guide their choice of this as we uh, read through. Uh, As a function of an apostle is to witness to the resurrection uh, of Jesus, uh, verse uh, 22. Uh, They they are clear that the new man, this replacement for Judas, has to be somebody uh, who has not only been with Jesus from the earliest days, so right from the start of his ministry up until uh, the, uh, the present for them, but he also must be somebody who has witnessed Jesus Uh, resurrected, so has met the resurrected uh, Lord Jesus. Uh, Paul, uh, you remember the Apostle Paul, was uh, counted as one of the apostles because on the road uh, to Damascus he encountered uh, the risen Jesus. Uh, The the function of an apostle was to witness to the resurrected Christ, therefore the qualification uh, was to have met uh, with the risen Jesus. Uh, They cast lots, which seems rather puzzling to us, doesn't it, in this uh, day and age. Uh, And yet we shouldn't be too puzzled by it. Uh, It was uh, a common way for Jews to make uh, decisions. Uh, uh, The the temple officials and uh, all the duties that went along with that uh, were uh, assigned uh, by lot. Uh, So it was pretty common. They just did what essentially uh, was known to them. Uh, We should note, I suppose, that it wasn't... uh, This is the last time that it seems to appear in the New Testament... So I don't think uh, there's a place for uh, casting lots uh, at our church meetings uh, today. So we should sort of uh, consign that to the realms of history, I think. But above all, uh, Luke is very clear that this choice of Matthias 
uh, is directed by the Sovereign Lord himself. Uh, Look with me at verse uh, 24 and uh, 26. Uh, They prayed, "Uh, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. They cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias and he was added to the eleven apostles. Uh, The choice of Matthias is not down to somebody who shouts the loudest. It's not one of them. Uh, Peter, perhaps, who's a big mouth, who uh, puts uh, Matthias up as his chosen candidate. Uh, It wasn't uh, because they left it to chance. It was because uh, they prayed and they trusted that the Lord Jesus was still at work uh, in his church. Um, I've often thought in uh, church life, there are rather a lot of synods and committees and meetings uh, to, uh, to take up our time. And it can sometimes be easy, I think, when we look at those, uh, to forget that actually the person who is in charge of the direction of his church is actually the Lord Jesus. We can form committees, subgroups and various things uh, for, uh, to make decisions, and those are all good, and don't, uh, don't uh, uh, mishear me on that. But it's vital to remember that through all these things, it is the Lord Jesus who reigns and he is in charge. It's not the Archbishop of Canterbury, it's not the Pope if uh, you happen to be a Roman Catholic. It's not even uh, any Alan or myself. We're not in charge. The Lord Jesus is in charge of his church and he will make the decisions uh, that are best uh, for his plans to be fulfilled. Uh, He hasn't abandoned us. Uh, He may have left physically and yet still he reigns by his spirit. He's still here, unveiling his plan, uh, fulfilling his purposes. He hasn't got bored, he hasn't left us and abandoned us to go on and find something, some other project that's a bit more interesting. He's still here, he's still at work. At PCC is meeting on Tuesday. We trust and we pray that Jesus will still be there by his spirit, guiding our decisions uh, to, uh, to fulfil his plan and to take his gospel to our world. Uh, He's going to be here in uh, the response to who cares and the response to Alpha. We can trust that he hasn't abandoned us. We know that he is at work turning hearts to follow him, to hear his voice, uh, to receive his comfort, to receive his forgiveness. Jesus is still at work. We know that even if he isn't here physically, still he reigns, still he is the Lord and he will guide his church. Let's be praying, shall we, as um, this week, and as we uh, go on into the new year, that indeed we would be a church who believes in that. It's very easy to say that we think that Jesus is in charge, and to uh, operate in a completely different way, as if actually it's really us. Let's pray, shall we, that in every area of our church life, Jesus would be the Lord. He'd be ruling by his spirit and by his word, uh, that we might uh, please him and fulfil his purposes. He may not physically be present, but still he is here. Nothing has changed because Jesus is still the Lord. Well, giving a straight answer is sometimes very difficult, isn't it, as politicians uh, or lawyers can tell you. Um, And yet sometimes a mixed answer is, I think, actually the most faithful answer. Uh, The question for the apostles and for Luke's readers here has been, will things be different if Jesus is gone? And the answer is both yes and both no. Yes, it will be different, because wonderfully, Jesus 
is ascended and he reigns and he rules over all the earth. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And yet, no, it won't be different. Because still, he rules and he reigns by his spirit. He is Lord and he will have his way. Let's praise him, shall we, that he reigns. Nothing can thwart him. And let's pray that we could be a people, we might be a people, a church, who are obedient to him, who follow him and who love him, and that he reigns in our hearts as he goes out to reign in his world. Let's pray, shall we? Will things be different if the Lord Jesus isn't physically present? Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, for the apostles the answer was both yes and no, and it's the same for us. Wonderfully yes, it is different because you have ascended Uh, You reign and you rule. And we pray that we would never be tempted to put the clock back. Thank you that your plan and your purposes have been fulfilled. And yet we also praise you that no things will not be different because you still reign, you still rule. You did uh, before, you do now. Uh, You uh, ruled in Acts and you rule today. And we pray that both individually and corporately you would rule in our hearts. May we be people who long to please you. Uh, May you be our Lord. And may your plans, your purposes, your gospel go out from this place to be fulfilled in your good purposes. Amen.